Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. This is so exciting to be here and to be able to uh, preach to you guys. Thank you so much to Kurt and Emily for trusting us. Um, to join your staff and your team as your children's pastors, but also to share the stage, um, to share what's on our hearts. And um, yeah, it is uh, it's great to see the youth here from your incredible wild weekend. I hope you guys got enough sleep, but you're young. I don't think you need that much sleep. Um, I want to start out by welcoming you the way that we welcome the kids in Children's Church. I always say, welcome to what is probably going to be the best day of your life so far. (laughs) Not the best day of your life, full stop. You're going to have better days ahead. But this is going to be a particularly great day because we are here together um, in God's house. And we have some cool things that we are going to be talking about today. And as Pastor Kurt said, my name is Dustin. My wife Kate and I are the children's pastors here at City Lights, and you should definitely help us. Um, And if I look familiar to you, it's because I was in the video earlier, and also because, as Pastor Kurt mentioned, my parents were pastors in this area for a number of years. And so I look a lot like my brothers, and I have mannerisms from my dad (laughs) as well. So, and Kate comes from a family, she's a pastor's kid as well, so it's kind of like, I don't know, our pedigree, I guess you could call it. It doesn't mean that we're good at it, it just means we could be, we really could be. (laughs) Um, But being a children's pastor is great, because we get to play games, we get to eat snacks, we get to worship with kids, we get to study the word together, and we are currently trying to, because we just started, we're trying to organize things so that it minimizes chaos, amen, and maximizes the fun, not just for the kids, but for the volunteers also. Um, Because how many of you know fun is important? Fun is important. Games don't just kill time or um, win kids over so that you can teach them something later. Um, it actually synchronizes us emotionally uh, together, recreation does, and it begins the rhythms of unity. Like Pastor Kurt was saying, it's the thing that brings the two sticks together so that as we walk towards deeper things, we stay lit because we're close. And so that's important for us to have fun in kids' church so that we can bring them to deeper things um, and they're willing to go with us. The other thing that children's ministry does really well is it forces you to distill spiritual information down into more easily to understand uh, units, if you know what I mean. You have to be able to bring it down into terms and forms that can be received and processed by little people who are at different stages of life and maturity and understanding and development. So we have to simplify the essence of Scripture without changing it or reducing it down to the fundamentals that will be the building blocks for what comes later. So we deal in the ABCs and 123s of spiritual information and understanding, but even more elemental than that are even... There's more fundamental things even than that. For example, just 
moments, simple moments like an infant falling asleep in a room where God's presence is, or a toddler who gets a warm, glowing feeling from being in a room where people are singing about Jesus. These are the beginning points of something that's even more important than understanding Bible stories or understanding um, spiritual principles is the sense of desire. So we plant seeds of comfort and care, and then we, we, we try to plant seeds of expectation and anticipation um, because the ultimate goal is to be filled with desire and hope that our kids encounter and fall in love with Jesus. Because you can throw the ABCs of spiritual uh, life at people all day long, but desire, desire for God. The little hearts that feel that irresistible pull of God's love when they enter into church, and then they might put their armor down as they play a game or eat a snack or whatever, and then in these moments, little moments of clarity in worship or interaction with somebody, their heart gets a moment to say, Jesus, I want you. And then their journey begins for the rest of their life from that point. It's amazing. So children's ministry, we take it seriously. Mark 10, 13 through 16, Jesus is uh, talking to the crowds, and people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. But right now, I get to talk to grown-ups, which is something I don't get to do very often, and I'm going to relish it. I'm going (laughs) to really enjoy it. Because as adults... um, the expectation I have is that we would be able to discuss things with a little bit more sophistication or nuance or something that's a little deeper than the elemental things, than the beginning things. Um, we always joke because when, when my wife and I want to talk about grown-up things and we want our kids to leave, we're like, go in your rooms for a little while so we can talk about grown-up stuff. We're going to be talking about taxes and we're going to be talking about... Utility bills, it's boring stuff, you know? Because, yeah, kids don't want to deal with that garbage. Um, (laughs) They don't know how. They don't even know how to join in. And we're probably talking about something that they would like to know anyway, but we don't want them to hear. Um, This is important uh, because while we might present the word to children in certainties, and this is an important thing to note, it is important as immature believers that the word is presented to you as certainties. But you realize quickly as you start doing your own studies that the, the spiritual truth that we get from the word and from Jesus himself often comes in the form of paradoxes. And paradoxes require maturity to understand. If you don't know what a paradox is, it's where two things that seem contradictory to each other are actually both true simultaneously. And it's very difficult for the mind to rationalize how that works. But you'll notice that when the Pharisees would come to Jesus and say, doesn't the word say this? And he'd say, well, yeah, but it also says this. Over here. And you might be in a college classroom and the teacher says, well, doesn't the Bible say this? 
I guess so. But it also says this. So what was Jesus trying to do? Was he trying to say, well, the Bible says a lot of things. The word says a lot of things. So, you know, take your pick. That is, what, that is the most elementary form of spiritual understanding, is trying to choose between two things that seem opposites. But what Jesus was trying to show the Pharisees is, your understanding, your paradigm is so poor that these things seem to contradict each other when in fact they live in the same world and actually confirm each other. For effect. What kind of paradoxes are we talking about? Well, Jesus and the Father being one and the same, and yet Jesus says, only the Father knows when I will return. Not even I know. Or, we are saved by faith alone, not by works, so that none of us can boast. Yet, faith without works is dead. These are things that seem like opposite things or contradictory things, but they are both equally true. I think that a good example of this, and this will explain also what a paradigm is, if I were to go into the mountains with you and point to one aspen tree over there, say that tree and that tree are actually the same plant. On the surface, that seems absurd. There's no way they can be the same plant. That one's all the way over there. That one's all the way over there. But that's because you're only looking at the surface. Under the surface, if you knew the entire system, you realize they share a root. They share a root system that, com- that unites all of these trees that look separate from the surface and yet are actually all one thing under the surface. So if you remain at the surface like a child does, you will be baffled and bamboozled by so many things <laughs> in the word. <laughs> because Jesus was often pointing out, hey, that over there and that over there, you don't have to choose between them. I'm interested to figure out which one you choose to pay attention to and which one to ignore. A lot of times the, uh, the Pharisees would come and say, hey, doesn't it say this? And they've chosen like the harshest thing. And Jesus is like, well, it also says this, this really merciful thing. It's interesting that you always want to choose the harsh one. But what he was really showing them is that they had a poverty in their paradigm, their ability to see the bigger picture that actually unites those things. So as grown-ups, I would hope that we've moved, from, we've moved beyond the initial way of understanding the word or the way of understanding God and that we are growing in the mysteries of God and understanding them. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In that picture of the the children coming to Jesus, we're meant to see that as the beginning place that we go and then where we are expecting to end up in Jesus himself. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So, 
you might see a paradox in come like a little child to enter the kingdom. If, if anybody wants to enter into the kingdom of God, they must come as a child. And yet this is saying, hey, don't stay a child. Are you kidding me? We need to grow. Hebrews 5.12 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is Paul writing to the Hebrew church saying, I'm a little disappointed, guys. There's a little tone of disappointment in this verse. There was an expectation of maturity and progress that Paul Paul had for them that was unmet, and it was a bit of a, a bummer for him. So, if you're somebody who thinks, all I really need to know, I learned in kindergarten. Have you ever seen that book? There was a book that was written called, All I Really Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. And the guy who wrote that book, his name is Robert Fulgham. He had this to say, all I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things I learned. These are the things you already know. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Now, listen. Is there wisdom in that? Of course. But it's a wisdom that every religion shares equally. We're all basically saying that. And when people who don't have the paradigm to see what's under the surface of spiritual truths, they're like, I don't really get what the difference is between that you're saying over there and this this guy's saying over here. Because these are the simplest forms of spiritual truth and understanding. These are the things that children, we teach to children. Now, I'm not trying to poo-poo on this, but if you live your life this way, You've got to be careful that in your admiration of simple, clean living, there isn't a root of pride that's saying, I already know it all, and I've known it for a long time. Uh, Because the world is facing grown-up problems, and a world in crisis looks to us for wisdom. Do we offer grown-up answers? Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. And be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. He's saying, let's let's call that good, like we got that part, and let's move on to some other things. Now this is tricky for us, because we, we are constantly needing to return to the simple gospel. And that is true, but I'll explain how that fits in with what I'm talking about. We cherish the simple gospel and simple teachings of basic principles, but we recognize it only as the beginning of something deeper. Do you want to know where the answers to all the world's problems are? And we can't just say the Bible or Jesus anymore. (laughs) Because while that is absolutely true, It's like saying the answer to all the riddles in the world are found in the alphabet. Like, that's true, but it's not very helpful, right? Because even when Jesus was here and people had problems and they went to him, they had to interact with him. And oftentimes he gave them riddles and symbols, complicated things. 
That if they were not mature in their ability or uh, desirous of knowing what he was trying to say to them, they would have abandoned it. And plenty of people did. They came to listen to him teach, and then they would go away confused because they didn't bother to pursue it any further. And Jesus knew this, and he spoke to them in parables for that reason. So, if we want to know where the answers to all the world's uh, problems are, what the secrets are, I can't tell you because they're secrets. <laughs> but not like, shh, don't tell anybody secrets. It's not like that. It's more like, man, what is your secret? You know what I mean? The things of God are secrets that are hidden in plain sight. It's all here. But they can't be recognized until a level of understanding, maturity, and mastery is reached. We don't think of Christianity as a religion that has secrets. We're not like a hierarchy with different levels where you get special knowledge um, when you like, achieve certain things or pay a certain amount of money. But we absolutely are a religion of secrets nonetheless. Technically, all the information is there, but infinite levels of understanding await those who seek them out. That page is done. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever to all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. That not only means the things that are easy to understand, but the parts of the Bible that we skip over in our quiet time because they're just too difficult. They stretch our brain. They strain us. Matthew 13, 9 through 16 is Jesus wrapping up his sermon about the parable of the sower. And he says, anyone who has ears should listen and understand. And the disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables to talk to the people? Why don't you just speak plainly to them? I think the disciples could see that people were leaving not knowing what he was talking about. It would be like if I came up here and my sermon was just telling you a story that had symbols in it. And I'm like, that's it. Bye. I'm not going to explain any of it to you. Figure it out. That doesn't seem like good teaching. Well, it wasn't just teaching. It was prophetic. Because sometimes spiritual truths, and this is what Jesus ended up explaining to the disciples, spiritual truths are not like normal information that we give to each other every day. Directions to the store or what we're going to eat for dinner. Okay? They are things that sometimes when you receive them, the brain goes, I don't get it. The heart goes, I think I get it. And the spirit is like, I get it. But if you're somebody who the mind is the arbiter or the bodyguard at the entrance to the club who decides to let in the things that it thinks are good or not, your brain, are you serious, is going to decide what things are good for you or not? I hope it's the best brain ever because none of us can do that. None of us should have that level of importance put on our own intellect to understand things that are so deep that they move the spirit before they move any other part of us. So are there hidden meanings in scripture that will be apparent to some and not to others? Of course. Of course that's true. We understand this idea when it comes to things like math and science there are principles and ideas that are simple enough for children or the casual student. Then these fundamental ideas build on each other, creating new understandings and increased complexity that only rewards the diligent and the curious. 
And then there are principles and ideas that elude all but the most dedicated, lifelong pursuers, or those with special giftedness. And then beyond that even, are things that are so far beyond our understanding that the strongest human minds over the eons of history have not penetrated their depths. Isn't that true? We know that about science and about math. So, okay, I'll come back to that in a second. So what is it then that would take us from the basic childish level of understanding to deep mastery? The first step is love for the subject. My son Liam loves weird but true facts, and he likes to start sentences with, "Um, hey, dad, weird but true, and then he launches into some kind of factoid. And his hunger for these weird facts is voracious. Like, he will remember them, and he will dig into them. It's not a chore for him. His, the desire is there to dig deep into this, to this subject. And so in the same way, yeah, this might be difficult to get down in there, but desire, the burning of desire, is the thing that will bring us down into those deeper layers. So listen, You may not have said this, but you might have thought this or heard somebody say this in a moment of truth, of honesty. I've heard all the sermons, and there isn't anything new that you could tell me about God. I've heard all these sermons already. I've heard it all. It's all just repeats now. I've read all the books. Well, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, if your heart is like a well of deep water with hidden things that are so far down that you cannot reach them yourself, and if we are made in his image, then how far down does the well of his heart go, do you suppose? I've read all the books. I've sang all the songs. I know Jesus died for my sins. I'll go to heaven one day. I'm kind to my neighbor. I try to be kind to my spouse. I try to raise my kids up in church the best we can. Come on. I've attended all the conferences. I've seen all the movements or whatever. Well, I'll tell you what you've done. You have tasted the whipped topping off a thousand desserts without realizing that there was so much more underneath the surface. We had no clue of the layers below. How far down does the well of scientific knowledge go? How far down does the well of mathematical knowledge go? Well, how much deeper must the God be who contains all of these things in their fullness? So if you don't understand how rockets work or quantum physics, then I guarantee you haven't heard all there is to know about God. He encompasses all of these things. Pick a Christian topic at random, anything. God's love, holiness, trusting God, whatever. Pick any of these. And if you knew how, you could dive into that topic so deep and so far and find all All of the secrets of the universe. I mean everything. The answers to mankind's deepest brokenness lies in those waters, those depths. It's not about new novelty topics, weird ideas or whatever. It's not even about that. It's the same truths that we had all along. And the world is dying for us to dive into them as deep as we can. Do you ever think back to a previous time in your life and just go, man, I did not know squat back then. 
My wife and I look at pictures of uh, our wedding day and be like, what were we thinking? Oh my gosh. We're not even, I, I, I barely recognize that guy in the picture. I'm so different now. We have changed so much. We didn't know anything about real life, real jobs, real relationships. That feeling of barely being able to recognize that person, feeling sorry for them, the poor slob. <laughs> like wondering how you ever made it when you were so inept and naive. Like that is a experience that we should have regularly. We should be able to look back on ourselves every year and be like, that guy didn't know nothing. I have really changed and grown this year. I, you know, because we should be climbing from glory to glory, right? Each peak more profound than the last, each time saying, how did I even live before I knew this? Was I even a Christian before I knew this? I I love when that happens. Could you have that happen every year, do you think? A few times a year? Every month? Every week? Every day? Every day you look in the mirror and you're like, remember what we were like yesterday? Holy smokes. There are creatures near the throne of God that perpetually have this experience eternally every moment. As soon as they've gotten their crown back on their head, they see something else that's like, oh, man. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's, out of, that's unbelievable. So remember, though, we pursue God's depths because we desire him. Transformation and revelation are just side effects of that journey. So how do we dive? How do we dive? I'm telling you why we should dive. Now, how do you dive? First, it starts with desire. It starts with rekindling that childlike wonder and love for our Savior. It is the hungry who get fed. It is the seekers who find. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you aren't hungry, pray for hunger. If you have no desire, ask for desire. It is grace that gives us the hunger and then satisfies it. Then we ask for a helper. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a helper, and he's the only one that can lead us into truth and not just into weird stuff. (laughs) Because these waters are deep and they're wild, and they contain things that are a little different. God stops speaking English, and he starts speaking his native language, which is the language of art and symbols and dreams and prophecies. When God speaks his native language, we get books like Isaiah, and we get books like Jeremiah, and we get books like Ezekiel, the ones that we're just like, I don't know what this is. (laughs) Books like Revelation, where we can barely even talk about them without fights breaking out because it's like, this is too crazy, man. But I'm telling you, These are the things that God desires to share with you and have you able to know in him. We are in a love relationship with God. He wants to go deep into the deepest parts of us, and we need to be going deep to the deepest parts of him and who he is. Now, remember your safety points. The basics of the gospel aren't to be abandoned. We use them to recalibrate, find our bearings, and stay in safe places. We can use them to correct each other, where it's like, hey, you've really gotten far, far off into, you know, the, uh, uh, um, I don't know, some kind of topic. What was it? The, this, uh, the... Something of God. What is it when it, he, he makes all the decisions and we have no free will? What is that called? 
Sovereignty, thank you. Yeah, the sovereignty of God. Like, you've taken a really deep dive into that, man, and it's awesome. But let's, let's, let's pull back a little bit. Let's get back to the gospel. Get back to the safe zone, and then we can make another trip out. You know what I mean? It is good because these deep, deep parts can drive people crazy with how deep they are. We are meant to go that far down, but not all of us are suited for those depths or have the grace for it. The word is our compass and our map. And now we need an access point. Where do we find an access point into the deeper things of God? Well, remember the basics? That's where you start. So in a weird way, everything you need to know you did learn in kindergarten. You just didn't know that we were not giving you full ideas. We were giving you doorways into deep places. What are the depths like? They're amazing. They're unbelievable. So now listen, you can stay in the shallows of faith and be okay. God's love for you doesn't diminish. And maybe some of us are less suited for deeper things and will rely on others for a time to bring up treasures from those places so that we can partake of them. But somebody's got to go down there. Some of you got to go down there. Let's all agree that we can all take at least one step down. One step further in, a little bit deeper, and let's purpose in our hearts to do that, asking the Lord, give me the desire, give me the hunger. Show me how to satisfy that desire. Show me how to satisfy that hunger. Tell me where to go, what to look for. If you've been looking at scripture always the same way, you might need to find a different way to get in there. Think of something that God has given you that you love for me, but, but something you love but stretches you, right? Something that you love but it challenges you a little bit. The place where that brings your mind and your soul and your heart, check in with scripture after you've had an experience like that, where you've been expanded a little bit. This is, what the, this is why people are anointed to be artists and poets and things like that. They create things that dig our well deeper so that when we dip into the waters of scripture, it suddenly is like, whoa, there's depths here that I didn't realize because I'm approaching it from this wider paradigm. Thank you for listening to me and thank you for trusting us with your children. And thank you for (laughs) a a worship band who did not know what I was going to talk about and yet everything that they chose to sing was about desiring God deeper, of going to the deeper places. Thank you to a staff who hears the word of God for Leslie, who has word after word, did not know what I was going to talk about, about, hey, I think we need to look into the deeper things of God. It shows that this place is a safe place to plant and grow, to receive things, and to get a little experimental. Okay? You will be changed, but only in the best way. Every change God makes in you makes you more of who you actually are, the essence of who you are, more powerfully, more completely. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and for your depths. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace on us. When we think we know everything and we really know barely anything, God, you don't chastise us or tear us down. 
But we don't want to be children any longer. We do want to move on to deeper things. We want to love you with all of the love that we are capable of. We want to grow stronger in our understanding of you. And we want to dig up the deepest treasures that we can find so that it can feed the world and heal their brokenness. I pray for each heart in here, wherever they're starting from, that you would show them what the next step is. Maybe it's to pay attention to their dreams a little more because you want to speak to them through their dreams. Maybe it's to study a a book of the Bible that usually they avoid. Whatever it is, God, I ask that you would give them that access point and take them on a journey that captivates their hearts and transforms them so that we can be transformed as a body into the maturity that you desire for your, for your bride, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.